Our second reading today is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. If you would like to follow along with the text, you'll find it printed in your bulletin insert. Hear now these words. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him, a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Holy One, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Whoever you are, whatever your past, wherever your faith journey has taken you, you are welcome here. Our scriptures today are all about love. I'm going to speak of miracles. A miracle for me is love made manifest in an action or in words, words that can change someone's life. If anyone had told me six and a half years ago I would be speaking about my faith journey from a pulpit in a Christian church, I would have said, or at least thought, don't be ridiculous. And yet, here I am. On February 8, 2012, something astonishing happened to me. I had had a dream work session with a man named Michael Regan a charismatic and intuitive being, we talked about a couple of dreams. On my way out the door, he said, Jan, you might want to look into Christian mystic poetry. Thank you, Michael, I said politely, thinking, you've got to be kidding. I was 70 years old, had long ago rejected the Christianity of my childhood, considered myself immune to anything mystical, having five planets in Capricorn. (laughs) And even though I had been an English teacher, never really appreciated poetry. An hour later, as I was sitting in my chair, having just bought a poetry book recommended on Kindle, but before I had read even one line, I had the uncanny sense that I was no longer myself that I had suddenly become a much more spacious being. I knew it was good. It was exciting, dynamic, and disorienting. In fact, I kept looking over my right shoulder to see if perhaps I was back there. I spent months in a kind of stunned silence. I dropped out of activities I had participated in for years 
continued to work on dreams, read poetry and books about mysticism in the Christian and Sufi traditions. As I read, I often wept. I had entered an unfamiliar world, and yet at the same time, completely familiar. Words from childhood hymns came to me. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. Words I had avoided during a lifetime of aggressive secularism, I experienced in all their depth and fullness and beauty. Words such as grace, amazing grace, mercy, sacred, repentance, forgiveness, joy. One day, almost exactly a year later, another miracle, I opened a book entitled Open Heart, Open Mind by Father Thomas Keating. Same chair, same sense. Here was a message for me the larger me I was getting to know. I started a meditation practice that day, what Keating calls divine psychotherapy. I was becoming aware of a longing in my heart for God. Father Keating says that longing itself is God, an inexpressible mystery. Gerald May writes, The contemplative spiritual life is a slow and sometimes painful process of becoming as little children again, in which we first make friends with mystery and then fall in love with it. And in that love, we find an ever-increasing freedom to be who we really are in an identity that is continually emerging and never defined. We are freed to join the dance of life in fullness without having a clue about what the next steps are. Almost two years ago, Kitty came up to me at Threshold Choir rehearsal and said, I think you would like my church. Although surprised, since I had decided that whatever was happening, it didn't involve church, I no longer dismissed out of hand messages of this nature. It took a couple of months, but one Sunday in October, I came, sat right over there where Mary's sitting, and before Luba played a note, before Jeff even entered the sanctuary, I knew this was it, my church home. When Jeff suggested becoming a member six months later, it seemed like the natural next step of the dance. Every time I have come here, I have been deeply moved by something, the words of a prayer or a hymn, Luba's voice, a smile, and always, when we join hands and look around the circle at each other, knowing we are all welcome here, I am grateful for the miracles of love that brought me to Seventh Avenue.
Thank you, Jan. That was that was beautifully shared. And I want to thank you, Mary. That was that was a, a beautiful story about the organ there. Although I must confess, I will now forever picture lots of tiny little angels playing lots of tiny little trumpets, <laughs> which is probably more fun anyway. So. Love is thrown around a lot in these readings. Um, God's love is not something I will try to explain. That is a little above my pay grade. Uh, but this is a lay-led service. So I trained my layperson eyes on those famous verses and tried to see how my world fit in. And while I was doing that, my mind wandered through a few memories and I thought first of last week when my family and I were coming home from a trip and on our way up to our apartment, tired, there was traffic, you know how it is, Olga, a neighbor, uh, stopped us to share some bread she had made. And then moments later, I bump into Charlie and Amy, more neighbors, who realized we wouldn't have any fresh food in the house and they quickly offered us fresh salmon and cold beer. Then later, I thought of a good friend who recently watched a woman, a white woman, belittling a family of color. I mean, really trying to make them feel unwanted. And my friend listened as long as he could uh, before emphatically shutting her down. Then I thought of a moment from a while ago when I was sitting at home one evening and I was feeling sorry for myself. I'm very prone to this, I stew. Um, so I sat there pouting, and I thought, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. It's fine. My wife knows I love her. She'll understand. And then I looked around the house, and there was no dinner ready for her, and the place was a mess. And I hadn't run the errand I said I would help her with, and I hadn't taken any cute pictures of our perfect little three-year-old Leo to show her, and there was just nothing a tired person coming home from work would see that could possibly make them smile, and realized it doesn't matter that I love her in a vacuum, because uh, we don't live in a vacuum. So I thought through these moments with love on my mind, and I noticed a very specific thing. I noticed actions. Olga had made bread and rushed out the door to share it with us. And Charlie and Amy offered us fish and beer completely unprompted. And my friend gave that family some small measure of comfort by standing and speaking. And my wife doesn't know my love for her because of my intrinsic quirks. I do have a lot of intrinsic quirks. But she knows because I lay out comfortable clothes and dinner when she gets home late because I have written thoughtful notes to her, because I have driven across the city to pick up 40 pounds of particularly special tomatoes on multiple occasions. <laughs> She's really into tomatoes. Um, these things all seem small, and they are small. They're small until you realize it's not easy to follow through on these things. It's easy to say, I will make something for them, or we should help them, or I should say something to that awful woman. But you have to make that leap. You have to do something. 
So here I am, a lay person, reading a few famous verses, and I came to this. Love your neighbor. Don't silently agree someone should help. Love them. That family knows that they are loved because my friend spoke. I know Charlie and Amy and Olga love my family because they gave us food when we were tired. I know Luba loves me because she spends all her time showing it through food, through affection, through thoughtful gifts. So I think the world needs more love in it. So go show love. I suggest you start with your neighbor. I'm so excited. <laughs> I, I feel this bubbling coming out of me, and it's hard to sit still, so luckily I'm going to dance, so it all works out in the wash. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to read a little bit, and then I'm going to dance, and I want to give you permission to experience whatever you're experiencing. Some people don't get dance. They're like, I don't get it. You don't have to come up with a story when I dance. You can just receive it. If your body wants to wiggle, you can let it wiggle. If you need a big breath, you can have a big breath. Whatever it is, it's all okay. So you're off the hook, okay? So I have a prayer today that God comes through me into the movement, into your hearts. And I want to dedicate this to my friend Linda. So, we've been talking a lot about love your neighbor as yourself, and remember that part about yourself? Well, sometimes we forget that we have to love ourselves first before we can disperse it among others. So I wrote this poem last year that I will now read, and then from the reading I will go into the dance. You are a blessing. You are a blessing on this earth at this time. You have been sent here for divine purpose, to spread love and joy throughout the world, to learn deeply and teach fully what it means to be loving and compassionate with yourself and others. When doubt enters, breathe in. Feel it. Let it flow through you. It will pass. Embrace all feelings. Embrace all aspects of yourself. You are complex, yet simple. Rest in the wings of God. Be comforted and sheltered. Know your own truth. Be free. Oh, and I just wanted to say this is all improvisational. <laughs> My little friend wanted to dance with me. She was staring at me. 
gentle with ourselves and love ourselves always. Blessed be.